doubt kills more dreams than failures ever will. Susie Castle. This is Life in Perspective, episode 16. No diggity, no doubt. <laughs> Let's get it. made it to episode 16 and this is just you know the gift that keeps giving every week we're gonna be back until the lord says different (laughs) and so as you heard this week we are talking about doubt i feel like you know on the heels of last week such a very vulnerable and raw conversation that didn't really have much thought into it. It was a complete reaction to everything that I had experienced last week. But I felt like to kind of take a few steps back and just talk about why what happened last week and the way that it happened was so important is because I think that for a long period of time in my life, I allowed doubt um, to kind of control what I experience in life. Um, When I think about it, I just consider even when I first moved to LA how a lot of things weren't really happening for me because there was this level of disbelief that I had in my heart right so it was like I I believed God for who he was and who he had been in the past but I also allowed my experiences to kind of allow doubt to creep in. It was kind of like I would believe it, but I wasn't putting my whole heart in it. And so I felt like this was something that I thought we should, you know, put into perspective. Like just as the quote said, like doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Because I think about, you know, the idea that if I doubt something, I'm never really going after it. I may start it, but I never really put my whole self into it because there's a level of disbelief that's kind of riding along in the car with faith. And those two things don't work together because the root of doubt is fear because there is this idea that maybe it won't happen. So I have a fear of it not coming true. I I know for me that that's usually where my doubt is rooted in. It's like, I don't know. You know, that could happen. You know, maybe this will happen. Maybe I'll get this. We just kind of got to stop doing that. We got to knock it off because we are withholding ourselves from experiencing the fullness of what God is trying to get to us. And I think nothing more than ever taught me that than last week. You know, I share with you guys, for those of you, maybe this is your first time tuning in with us, but you want to go back and start from the beginning because this is a full journey and it's not as fun when you hop in in the middle. Like you'll, you'll enjoy the ride, but it's like, dang, I really wish I would have started this from the beginning. You got time. Catch up. But But last week I was just sharing with you guys how I believe the whole woman evolved thing manifested, you know, in the natural realm where I could experience it because I came into agreement with it way before I even knew, not way before, but like before I even knew that it was going to be an actual thing. Like there was some level of full agreement that I had in my heart. Like I didn't even have a doubt because I don't think it was even something that I had ever considered. I didn't have any room to doubt, honestly. I was just like, you know what? I receive it. And my receiving was thinking like, you know, long-term, you know, maybe some time down in the future, you know, I would do something, you know, with Woman Evolve outside of, you know, serving and volunteering. And I just, you know, said I received. Two days later, I got the call to be on a panel, you know, with some of the heavyweight champions of the world. (laughs) But it's crazy because I can mark that moment and knowing that it had everything to do with me coming into agreement because I believe that 
that happening existed in the spiritual realm, but it needed my agreement to manifest in the natural. And I think we have to start looking at everything in our life that way. If God said it, first and foremost, it's already done. Like when God says something, it is established. It is our faith that activates it and pulls it into manifestation in the natural realm. And so if we start approaching things that way, if we start approaching things that way, we would enter into things, or we would enter into the words that we receive from God, whether it be, you know, straight from him, whether it be through his word, whether it be through prophecy, um, whether it be from just like somebody saying something to you and you, if it aligns with the word of God, it has to come to pass, but we have to approach it like that. I was kind of thinking about like, what's a great story, you know, that we could kind of like review that, you know, shows us how unproductive doubt is. And I was like reading my Bible and um, I came across or thought of the story of Doubting Thomas. And I feel like, you know, we hear the story of Doubting Thomas, but I, for the first time, kind of was able to see myself in Thomas. You know, there have been many things that God has said to me through whatever vehicle he deemed, you know, appropriate. And there have been times where I'm like, nah, son, I got to see maybe not the whole thing, but I got to see step one or I have to see step three to move on step one. And he's like, or what if step one activates the steps to two and three and four and five? What if step one is what met, you know, what starts the process? And I think we have to be able to, here's the thing. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Okay. So before we talk about doubting Thomas, let's kind of lay some groundwork here, right? Like we're going to do a lot of scriptures today. Cause I feel like the best way to kind of combat doubt is with the word. And so I think if we start with defining what faith is, then it'll help us on this journey of dismantling doubt in our lives. And we just not, we just not having it anymore. So Hebrews 11 and one, this is the passion translation It's my favorite, but it says now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. And so it's very interesting that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Like I can't see them, but my faith is the evidence that they are there. Oh, so good. And so it's like, if I'm supposed to live by faith, I live literally have to live with the evidence of the thing that isn't seen. Like, and it seems so weird, but it's just like, okay, I'll give you an example. You know, it's the middle of COVID. Um, We're in a global pandemic. So many people are without jobs, right? But the Bible says that God will supply all of my needs. So you're like, okay, woohoo. Okay. So what is the process between the word spoken, which is God is going to supply all of my needs to it manifesting in the natural and my needs being met. Okay. So what gets me from point A of the word to point B, the manifestation faith, because the word is what establishes it. So when the word is given, when the word is spoken, it says, God will supply all of my needs. It is then faith that activates the process, which brings it into manifestation, which is needs met. So I think we experience this process in our lives all the time, you know, maybe separate, you know, like maybe we receive the word, we have a job, our needs are met, right? Okay. So then we receive the word in the time where our needs are met, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Maybe we fall on hard times. We lose our job, you know, stuff didn't come up, you know, 
ends aren't meeting, okay? Then you get a letter in the mail that says your light bill has been paid. That is God supplying a need. So what we have to do is use all the times we've seen God supply the need to when the need isn't supplied, we then apply the evidence, which is the faith, which is built on the 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 character and the um, track record of who God has been. And we now apply it to the unmet need and say, all right, I'm just waiting on this need to be met in the natural because it's already been met in the spiritual because God said, I will supply all your needs. It's established. It has to happen. It's not a lie. He can't lie. He not like us. We could tell lies. We tell lies all the time, but God not like us. He tells the truth. So when he says something, it's already established. It is my faith that activates it and brings it into the natural. But here's what happens. We receive the word. We're going to use the same word. God will supply all of my needs, right? When life happens, we allow doubt to come in and disrupt our faith and causes us not to believe. And then we do not experience what God has already done. I am so guilty of this, like often, more often than not. And I think seeing God's manifested word happened in my life last week made me realize how many things I probably have canceled out because of my mouth. Like the same power of agreement that I came into with that word of, you know, I receive it is the same power that exists on the other side when I don't believe it. And so I have been super serious with myself and challenging myself to make sure that I don't allow doubt to keep me from experiencing, you know, what God has already said. It's like, It's crazy. It's like when we can learn to take God at his word, y'all, our lives would be so much more fulfilled if we could not allow what we see to disqualify us from what he said. We 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 would really be out here winning, winning like we winning. And because of his grace, he still allows us to win, even in spite of the times that we choose to doubt and call him a liar, because honestly, that's what doubt is. Doubt is calling out a liar because if he said I will supply all of your needs and I say oh, I don't really know it means he's a liar if he said that it has to happen he can't lie I know I keep saying this but I feel it like somebody needs to know that somebody is having trouble and maybe it's not a need maybe you are having trouble believing that you are who God says you are I would like to challenge you that God and here's the thing like that's why faith has to be involved because God created us in the fullness of who he wanted us to be. It's the journey of life and it's faith and it's even trials and things that are completely contrary to the word of God that we experience that help us come into the consciousness of who he created us to be. And so there may be a time where God starts to reveal you to you and it doesn't align with where you are now. It's because he's trying to expand your perspective of how you see yourself so that you can walk in the fullness of who he created you to be. That's why faith is so, it's, it's a big, that's, we talked about trust issues and it, it's one of those things too. It's the lack of faith is a trust issue because it's like, how could I not trust a God, a perfect God who gives me a word? I, he, he can't lie. So why could I not trust a word 
that it can't come back void. The Bible says that his word accomplishes everything it was sent out to do. So if his word was sent out to supply my needs, it's going to happen. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. But if I don't allow those things to overrule and override the doubt, I'll be stuck. I'll never move. Even if I'm moving physically, if there's doubt there, it'll never reach whatever the thing is. If it's a dream, if it's a need, if it's the way you see yourself, it'll never reach its full capacity or ever manifest in its fullness if doubt is in the way. I'm going to tell y'all about Thomas because I think this this really helped me because I was like, ooh, I'm going to tell y'all about Thomas and now I'm going to tell y'all about Mary, right? So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a visual, audio visual. I'm going to give you an audio visual of what doubt looks like and then I'm going to give you an audio visual of what faith looks like. And then we're going to talk about what James says about what happens when we live in doubt and not in faith. All right, so Thomas, right? And if you want to read this on your own, the full scripture is John 20, 25 through 29. And so it simply says, so the disciples, you know, informed him. So what happened was, you know, Jesus is resurrected. He's appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And that's another thing. Make sure you're not out of place, okay? Make sure you are in the right place that you're supposed to be. I don't know who that was for. That was a free one. And so it just says, so the disciples informed him, we have seen the Lord with our own own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Oof, Thomas is a lot. So fast forward, Jesus appears, you know, the door was locked, but Jesus still ended up in the room. I'm like, that would have been enough for me. How you get in here? The door is locked. It didn't even open, but you're here. All right. I believe. But anyway, you know, Thomas says, Uh, you know, Jesus comes and he tells him to put his finger in his wounds and put your hand in the wound in my side and see for yourself. And then he says, Thomas, don't give into your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then Jesus says, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe, but there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts and they will be blessed even more. Y'all, the thing that tripped me out about this was Thomas had a lot of nerve. He didn't just say, I need to see Jesus with my own eyes. He said, I need to see him. I need to see the wounds in his hand. I need to touch him. I need to see the wound in his side. I need to stick my hand in it. Like Thomas had all these stipulations. And at first I was like at Thomas's throat. I'm like, bro, chill out. Like it's Jesus. Like why would the disciples be lying to you? But then I was like, Brenda, chill out. Cause why would God lie to you? Like, why would God tell you he was, he was going to do something or why would God tell you who you are? Or why would God tell you, you know, what this situation is and you call him a liar? Cause you, you'd be like, nah, cause okay, God, you said that you were going to give me this job, right? But I need assurance before I start confessing that I have the job. So oftentimes, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say, God, let me, you know, he told me to apply for this job. He told me it was mine. We'll know that. Right. But we won't believe it in our hearts. We'll know it in our minds. Right. We'll hear it with our ears, but we won't believe it in our heart. And we'll go after that job with doubt in the way. So it's like it's kind of like we won't even tell anybody because we like, you know, I don't know if this going to happen. So I'm going to just chill, you know, let it come to, you know, we see what happens and then we go. And so we don't really put all of our faith in it because we scared that it's not going to happen. That's doubt. And I think about how much doubt robs us of the full experience. I think about how devastated the disciples were when Jesus died. And I think about, you know, the excitement and, you know, the 
freedom and just the enjoyment and the the full of lifeness that they had when they saw that Jesus was alive. You know, it's like God's word has come to pass. Like our boy, like our brother, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, he's back. I think about the enjoyment that Thomas robbed himself of because he didn't believe in that moment. So he had to wait eight days before he saw Jesus and it was proved to him. But how productive could he have been in ministry in those eight days? Because I'm sure when just as the disciples were telling Thomas, they were also telling everybody else, Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. And so I think about us, how much does doubt delay us from purpose because we're stuck in the unbelief? Like we can't even believe that we are who God called us to be because we're stuck in a space where we don't believe. How many things have we not gone after because we didn't believe? How many things have we, um, how many, you know, things have we not received because we've doubted. And, you know, while I was, yeah, it, it checked me. It, it got me because I I wondered if the power of my agreement last week, it was so strong. I wonder how the power of my doubt has been previously because I, I was very transparent with y'all and told y'all that in any other moment, I probably would have been like, bro, chill out. I'm very quick to like, not I don't say minimize, but like downplay, you know, myself, whether it's my gifts, my talents, whether it's something I've accomplished, I'm real like chill about it. And I'm working on that. You know, I'm working on not shrinking myself because it's not even anybody doing that to me. It's me doing it to myself. And so I'm, you know, I'm learning to be more confident in who God has called me to be and in the graces and the talents and the gifts that he's given me and the calling. Like I'm learning to be more confident and learning to embrace it. Like if somebody gives me a compliment, say thank you, you know, not even glory to God because it's like God's already getting the glory because it happened you know like and pity me if I think I can steal the glory of God by saying thank you um and so you know I'm just I'm working on it but I say all of that to say that like just and I want you to take a moment and just think about all of the things that doubt has talked you out of you know and I, I love the fact that God gives us grace and he always gives us other opportunities to kind of reap the benefits of what he said about us. But I just think about how much time is lost and how many, how much more effective we could have been in our purpose had we not allowed doubt to creep in. And so it was it was really interesting. I was just randomly reading Luke because I'm, you know, wanting to study the Holy Spirit. And I came across the story of like Mary at the very beginning, though, like when the angel appeared to her. And it really like there are a lot of things that stuck out to me about it that I'll share, you know, moving forward. But the thing that, you know, got me was in Mary's response, right? So it's like an angel appears to her and tells her basically, I know you're a virgin. I know you're engaged, um, but you are about to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but you are going to carry the Messiah, the person who is, you know, going to save the world. He will be born through you. Now we be thinking that the, and I don't want to say little stuff because I'm not minimizing who God has called us to be, but that's a very weighty call you know, to care the savior of the world. I, I, I read it, you know, I think Mary maybe was a little shocked, but I never saw her doubt herself. I never saw her say, uh, you sure God that is, is God sure he wanted to be me? Cause I'm just, however old I am, 14. I'm just a little old me. You know, I'm a virgin. I don't even know if I'm ready to be a mama. Like what is Joseph going to say? Like all of these things that we throw out there when God gives us a word. I didn't, I didn't see Mary do that. I saw Mary maybe ask one question and it was more for clarity than it was for doubt. And then I heard her say, um, this is amazing. 
I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. And there are so many versions, you know, of the Bible. And there are some, one version says, Mary says, be it unto me. And I instantly thought of myself last week because I experienced this, which is the only reason that I'm telling you guys this to not allow doubt to keep you from receiving the things that God wants to give to you. Like I literally received a a prophetic word a couple weeks ago where they were like, there are things in your heart that you are like waiting on God to answer. And he wants to give them to you, but you need to build your trust. And she literally said, you need, it's like, as you go into these next weeks, just hold your hands out open to receive. And it's like, y'all, I can't fully do that. If I'm doubting him, if I'm if I get the word and I don't receive it and not just like, oh, thank you. I received no like in your heart, like I, that that was the difference for me last week. I received that in my heart. I didn't question it. I didn't question if I belonged there or if I was good enough or if I would be accepted or if that's really what God wanted me to do. Like I didn't question it. I just said I received and I literally saw it come to pass. And so Before she says that, though, she said not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God. And so we we have to acknowledge that when God gives you a promise, there's a power that is in it. Honestly, when God gives you a word, the same power that created the world that we live in is the power that sits behind that word. It's the power that that pushes that word out. It's the power that activates that word to come to pass. But there's a certain level of agreement that we have to come into with the word that is spoken. I think that we have to acknowledge that. Like literally, God created heaven and earth with his word. That same word. John, I think it's John 1 and 1, and it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later down, it says, and then the word became flesh. That's that's the process. God gives a word. It comes from God. It was with him. It was born of him. He is the word, but then it became flesh. Just like Jesus became flesh, whatever word God has spoken to, he wants to bring it into the natural so that it can manifest and we can live through it. We can no longer allow doubt to keep us from experiencing who God wants us to be. Then further down, right? So then Mary, so Mary accepts this word. She says, be it unto me, you know, I, as your servant, whatever you have for me, I receive it. Even if it doesn't align with how I saw my life, because I'm pretty sure Mary thought, okay, I'm going, I'm fell in love with Joseph. I'm going to marry him. You know, we're engaged. We're going to have kids. We're going to build a family. And God's like, disruption. Um, Actually, Mary, you're going to carry the savior of the world. Okay. Before you even get to have sex with your husband, you're going to conceive a whole child. I know she probably was thrown off by that, but because she recognized that she was a servant of the Lord first, before she was a wife and a fiance and a a woman and a daughter and a person who had a whole life, before you are anything that you have called yourself, you are who God made you. You are a servant of the Lord, which means as a servant, I lay down my plans, my thoughts, my will, my emotions. None of it matters when God gives a word. And so I think we just we just have to accept that. And so she then, you know, later tells her cousin like, oh, my God, I'm a I'm a carry, you know, the, the Lord. She didn't even have to tell her when Elizabeth saw her, her baby leaped because of that connection. But y'all got to read the story for yourself. It's really, it's really intriguing, actually. But then Elizabeth says this to her. Great favor is upon you for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. That is the power of belief. 
great favor rests on our belief in what God said. Favor does not rest in doubt. It can't. It doesn't work. He's not going to give you favor to not do anything. And so just if we go back to the quote from the top of the episode is that doubt kills more dreams than failures ever will because failure at least means you tried and you learn and you grow and you build and you develop and you become through failure. Doubt keeps you stuck. It keeps you stagnant. It actually keeps you moving. It is an enemy of movement. And so we, we just, we not having doubt no more. Like after this episode, none of us, like after episode 16, we are not doubting anymore. And so after, you know, we talked about what faith is and we've discussed, you know, what happens when you doubt. And then we talked about what happens when you believe. I had one more verse and then I'm gonna just leave you guys with this. And it says, it's James 1, 6 through 8. And it says, just make sure when you ask. So basically, I'll give you, I'll give this verse context. So basically it talks about like, if any man lacks wisdom that he should ask and that when you ask for wisdom, God won't scold you because you are asking for wisdom. He'll give it to you. But then this is how you should ask for it. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? I'm just going to leave y'all with that. We have to ask with confident faith that what we're asking for, we will receive it. And that's how we should approach everything in life. When we make a request known to God, or even when God gives us a word through whatever vehicle he deems appropriate, we have to receive it with confident faith because to be undecided, doubt looks like when you when you're tossed to and fro with the wind, doubt looks like, OK, God gave me a word. But today we are in a global pandemic, so I don't know if I can believe it. Oh, 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 oh. stimulus check just came through. OK, God's going to supply all my need up oh, laid off. Uh, I don't know. You're unstable. So you can't stand flat footed and believe God because you're tossed to and fro because there's something in your heart that says, uh, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can step out on this. I don't know if I can really do this. And so I'm going to leave you with that question. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord in that condition? Being unstable, not really sure, being uncertain, it's unfruitful. And it, it keeps us from reaching our full potential and walking in the purpose that God created us for. I don't want that for any of us. I don't want doubt to keep us from producing and becoming all that God intended for us to be. And so I hope that I have said something today that has helped put your life in perspective. I am so happy to be on this journey of putting our life in perspective together. I love y'all so much. And we will be right back here again next week. This is Life in Perspective. We out.